0: Every week we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today, and now here is today's podcast. I want to talk to you about positioning ourselves for revival. Positioning ourselves for revival, or you could even put slash prayer, okay? St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, he said this, pray as though everything depended upon God, work as though everything depended upon you. Let me say that again. Pray as if everything depended upon God, work as if everything depended on you. What is he saying? He's not saying we need to have a works mentality. You won't have a works mentality. You won't struggle with it, I should say, as much when you're functioning as a man or a woman of prayer. Because the more that we pray, the more we're in tune to the Holy Spirit, the more we clearly hear His voice and we're reading His Word, we're letting it sift our hearts. It enables us to hear God speaking to us. And speaking into us those areas of our lives that we would otherwise hope God ignores or overlooks. How many of you would say that you're very busy? That's, that's okay. It's, it's not bad to be busy as long as we are praying first. Right? Seeking first the kingdom of heaven. I understand we got to work right we got family responsibilities you got to do laundry you have to wash the dishes you have to invite Eric over for lunch occasionally and cook for him and things like that I'm just a subliminal message but no no if you are busy in life we could be doing good things that keep us busy But the number one thing that we need to focus on each and every day is the presence of the Lord, is the Word of God, is pouring out our heart to the Lord. You know, when we, when we read about that Jesus called us to be His house, His temple, His house of prayer, a lot of times we read that and we're like, well how do I become a house of prayer? You know, okay, I, I understand about going to a place and praying, like we we came to this building tonight. But how do I become a house of prayer? How do I become a man or a woman of prayer? How do I position myself to hear God so clearly that I could speak on behalf of Him? How many of you want the Lord to open your mouth and fill it and use it? Amen. How many of you want God to just anoint you? I'm not saying everybody has to be a preacher. Uh, but what I'm saying is how many of you just want to be so close to the Lord that, that whatever situations you face, you have the mind of Christ that you tap into and you don't give up, right? You don't go back to the fleshly responses, right? Or reactions, I should say. You say well what would Jesus do in this situation see the more that we're walking with the Lord in a place of prayer positioning our hearts before him he knows how to settle us so that he can teach us how to walk with him talk with him hear from him prayer always requires us to seek the Lord and his kingdom first prayer that's added into our lives never teaches us how to give control over our lives to the Lord so we don't add a pinch of prayer to our life right those of you ladies and maybe guys who cook right you add a pinch of salt right you want it to taste good and (laughs) the food you add a little special sauce and oh maybe that we don't add the Lord into our life we make him Lord We make him the reason why everything that we're doing in life should be focused in on him. So when we come and we value prayer like we're doing tonight for these 12 hours, now 10 hours, when we are doing that, we are being intentional. We're putting aside sleep, we're putting aside YouTube. We're putting aside, you know, interaction, fellowship with other people. And while we're fellowshipping tonight, we're fellowshipping around the Lord. We're prioritizing our fellowship and our time and our energy and everything that we're doing. We're purposely here tonight to seek you. This is why Jesus said, when you pray, when you fast. Because just saying that I believe in prayer doesn't mean that I will reap the rewards of sowing prayer. So when I pray intentionally, when we pray corporately, intentionally as a body, we are telling the Lord that we desire your will above everything else. Amen having a desire to pray versus actually praying is not the same (laughs) and I, I know this is very basic tonight but in the back of our minds we constantly make up excuses about what we do and what we don't do with prayer so imagine if you said you know what I'm not going to intentionally eat tonight because in my mind I already ate well, that that probably won't work for a little while. <laughs> Maybe it'll work for an hour, two hours, three, four, right? And then your stomach starts growling, right? But see, the more that we taste and see that the Lord is good, the more our entire being hungers for God. The more that we desire specific. you ever have a desire for a specific food? not only that you like but that you're like why wow, I haven't thought of that in a while then you go and eat it sometimes that's your body telling you what you actually need so if you need some vitamin C and you say boy I really love to have a uh, some lemon or some oranges or or something like that some fruit like that your body is telling you what you need and the Lord's presence is constantly telling us draw near to me come close to me position yourself before me now don't just be busy with everything that you're doing stop be still and know that I'm God amen the activity of prayer is always a response of obedience always is since the enemy hates it when we pray this is why we have so much resistance to prayer. One of my teachers at the Brownsville School of Ministry, John Kava, told us one time in a mentor group he said, The greatest struggle that you will ever have is trying to enter the Lord's presence on a consistent basis. And what he was saying he, is that the enemy's going to fight us from being intimate with God. He's, if if the enemy can keep us busy, you know, Steve Hill, you say, you've probably heard me say this before, that, you know, the enemy wakes people up on Sunday morning and says, come on, let's go get dressed. Let's go to church, right? Because if you go to church, even if it's a powerful church, even if everything is being done as unto the Lord, there are people that can come not positioning themselves in a righteous way before the Lord so that when they're here even though God's touching everybody around them they might feel like God's not doing anything in them but see that's why I say don't come to church to get Jesus bring Jesus with you to church learn how to be in a posture of prayer make your life a prayer to God The more we position our lives in prayer, the greater fulfillment we'll have from God. Prayer is partnering with God to let go of what we think we might be in control of. And it allows God to fulfill his plans that he has for our lives. It teaches us. It's the ultimate, listen, prayer is to me the ultimate act of humility. Now you can say somebody laying their life down for somebody else. But how does somebody come to a point in their life. Of saying I need to lay my life down for somebody else. They don't just do that automatically. They need to be. Walking in such an intimacy with the Lord where they say, okay, it's better for me to lay my life down the way that Jesus laid his life down because I walk with the Lord on a regular basis. Therefore, even when people say things against me that isn't nice or um, uh, they offend me, and uh, whether it be intentional or not, I have to choose to walk in humility. I have to choose. When somebody offends me, I have to choose to say, God, I have to open my mouth and say, Lord, I forgive whoever it was. I have to do that. If I don't do that, then I allow that to deposit a root in my heart, and then it affects my attitude and gets me to resist coming in the presence of the Lord this is why the heart is deceitful and wicked who can understand it right our hearts without the blood of Jesus will not know how to submit ourselves to God if we do not remain as a people of prayer I hope you're listening. Because I don't want you to be here tonight for a religious duty. I don't want you to come here and waste your time tonight. I want you to be here and be all here. Not here and then 10% of you is somewhere else, right? Listen. Leave the worry outside. Leave the anxiety and the stress and all that. Come into the presence of the Lord. You know, when when we read Psalm 100, it says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Enter His courts with praise. That means you better be focused when you're coming before the Lord. Right? You don't just come before the Lord and think, Well... I got all these other issues on my mind right now and wow you know he's really going after God and worship she's really praying and on her face before God but I'm just not there but I'll act like I'm here let me lift my hands a little bit oh do you think God is looking at that going oh I'm so glad that he's lying to everybody (laughs) No, he knows exactly what's going on with our hearts. That's why prayer is the ultimate act of humility. That's why as we position ourselves before the Lord, we're actually teaching ourselves to be godly. We're teaching ourselves what life is all about. If your connection with God is off, everything in your life will be off. Amen? What is monasticism? Well, we've been teaching about this at Fire School Ministry in uh, my History Makers class. And monasticism comes from a Greek word meaning monachos, it means alone. It is the religious practice of renouncing all worldly pursuits. Listen in order to devote one's life fully to spiritual work. Those pursuing the monastic life are usually called monks, or brothers for male, or nuns as sisters. Everybody know what I'm talking about? We have any monks or nuns here tonight? Any? No? No? Okay. Uh, Nash just walked in. Father Nash. Okay. Praise God both monks and nuns are can be called monastics okay monastics usually take religious vows of poverty celibacy in order to dedicate their life to a disciplined religious practice they can be found in almost every religion Christianity Buddhism so forth one of the most well-known monks in the early church his name was Simon or Simeon Stylites. Stelites. He was a well-known monk. Listen to what this guy did. We're talking about someone who separated himself from everybody and everything else and devoted himself to his religious responsibilities. So he was born probably around 368 uh, in the area of Syria, in the same area that possibly the uh, Apostle Paul was born in uh, Tarsus, in Sicilia. He embraced the monastic life at age 16. He once buried himself up to his neck for six months. In the ground. You may have gone to the beach before, right? Hey, bury me, guys. Yay, it's fun. You get up, you wash off, you go home. Now, Brother Simon was there for six months, and it wasn't in the sand. He once made a girdle around his waist of palm like leaves, so tight that it took days of soaking to remove them. He's, he's trying to, in his mind, look, this is 368, okay? There's no podcasts. There's no YouTube channels. There's, there's no internet. There's no televisions. There's no computers. There's no phones. He doesn't even probably have his own Bible. But he is very religious and wants to devote himself to God... And in the way that he's doing it, he thinks this will honor God. Listen to this. He once fasted Lent until he was unconscious. He once also stood bound to a stake throughout Lent. And he would often stand continually as as much as his legs would hold up and he shut himself in a hut once for three years three years he locked himself in a hut away from everybody okay in 423 he built a pillar it took seven years and eventually he built a pillar that was 60 feet high he lived on that pillar for 36 years listen imagine just living in this room for one week 36 years he built this pillar and he had an iron collar around his neck he was doing everything he could to beat his body into submission to make it his slave Now, I am not telling anybody listening or watching tonight that you should go home and isolate yourself from everybody. Nathan, don't do this. Okay? Even if Kathy makes you mad, you cannot build a pillar outside and say, I'm sleeping up here. Don't talk to me anymore. Okay. He never bathed. He had vermin dripping off of him. He had open sores which were full of maggots. While he was on the pillar, he would touch his feet to his forehead 1,244 times every day. I don't know why. Maybe he was trying to do CrossFit up there. I don't know. But he became such a spectacle in the community that people would go to him and every day he would preach to the people now again I'm not saying everything I believe he did was right I think he took it way out of context in wanting to devote himself to the Lord but he was given over to this and it became a real sight to see every day in town you walked by this pillar that Simon was up on for your whole life. Imagine if you were 36 years, every day you were used to seeing that guy there. You know, before we would cast off Simon's stylites, let's look at what God asked the prophet Ezekiel to do okay Ezekiel chapter 4 says now the son of man take a block of clay this is God speaking to Ezekiel put it in front of you and draw the city of Jerusalem on this clay Then lay siege to it. Erect siege works against it. Build a ramp up to it. Set a camp against it and put battering rams around it. Then take an iron pan, place it as an iron wall between you and the city and turn your face toward it. It will be under siege and you shall besiege it. He's asked, God is asking the prophet Ezekiel. You ever read... Any of the book of Ezekiel in the wild revelations and encounters that this guy had, the visions that he had. How many believe that he was a pretty unique guy? And he is, God's telling him to make this thing, this map, this actual fort, sort of say. Because what he's going to do is make a picture of what God's going to do against Israel. Because they're not living for him. This will be a sign to the people of Israel. Verse 4. Then listen. Lie on your left side and put the sin of the people of Israel upon yourself. You are to bear their sin for the number of days you lie on your side. I have assigned you the same number of days as the years of their sin. So for 390 days, this is over one year, you will bear the sin of the people of Israel by laying on your left side. This is a little awkward, even for a prophet who sees awkward things after you finish this lie down again this time your right side and bear the sin of the people of judah i have assigned you 40 days a day for each year turn your face towards the siege of jerusalem and with bared arm prophesy against her I will tie you up with ropes so that you cannot turn from one side to another until you have finished the days of your siege you know what God is looking for in a people of prayer he's looking for people that would fully devote themselves to him not just treat prayer as something that we do we clock in, we clock out but we feel the burden of the Lord for revival we feel the burden of the Lord for Agdal. We feel the burden of the Lord for Mindanao. We feel the burden of the Lord to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh in our schools. I'm not, again, friend, I'm not asking you to go do something weird. I'm asking you to go do something normal. Normal that is becoming a man or a woman of prayer. We're not just here to have an all-night prayer meeting so we could put a a, a trophy on our wall and say, I did the all-night prayer meeting. Well, praise God. That's great. And I want you to feel good about doing something you've never done before. But I believe the Lord wants to stretch us in the place of prayer so that we would not deviate from doing His will and doing our will instead because when you hear from God on a regular basis it's harder to disobey him amen listen he said verse 9 take wheat and barley beans and lentils millet and spelt and put them in a storage jar and use them to make bread for yourself maybe Ezekiel is getting a little excited now praise God I can eat good again you know You are to eat it during the 390 days you are to lay on your side. Weigh out 20 shekels of food. He's giving him a budget. God believes in budgets. Amen? (laughs) Eat it at set times. Also measure of six of hen of water and drink and set it... Drink it at set times. Eat the food as you would a loaf of barley bread. Break it, bake it in the sight of the people. And listen, use human excrement for fuel. Poo-poo. Use human poo-poo to cook your food. Bobby, you cook Monday through Friday for the feeding program. Don't get any ideas, bro. He uses wood. We've used gas, right, at times. We've even accepted the ministry of Jollibee. Hey, rebuke that. But think about this. He's not even allowed to cook the food that God's telling him to budget during his time on his side he's not going to get any enjoyment out of this listen prayer is hard this is why nobody does it see if I said we're going to have coffee and donuts and everything let's all come pray together you know we, we probably had crowds of people lines of people oh I'd like to get a donut yeah I'm not saying we got bread, we got coffee out there. We, I don't know that we made that announcement. But the point is, if we come with wrong intentions, we'll never get the results we're looking for. Yeah. But if we come and we're not about those things and we're here to seek first the kingdom and we're thinking, I want to give myself over, then I promise you, we're going to get so much out of this time. Really. And, you, and if you're thinking, why aren't we praying? Why are you sharing the word? Because I believe the two work very well together. And sometimes as we're praying and we get encouragement from the word of God, it kind of leads us in the next direction of where we should go. And this is what Ezekiel said. Or what the Lord said to Ezekiel. The Lord said, in this way, the people of Israel will eat defiled food among the nations where I have driven them. In other words, they Israel started worship idols. And God is giving them over to their judgment. And he's allowing the prophet to feel the pressure of what God feels for the people of Israel. God doesn't want to destroy. God doesn't want to judge. God wants to save, deliver, and heal. But if people will not turn to Him in a place of prayer and cry out and stand in the gap, then God has to judge. Then God has to bring correction. Or otherwise, man would just keep building a bigger building to get to God. Right? We have to understand that God does everything He possibly can to get to mankind. He does whatever He can to draw us to Himself. He works out every situation because He's not willing that any should perish. He's looking at 7 billion people, over a hundred plus nations, maybe 200 nations in the world. He's looking at different languages. He's looking at the different issues that people face. And he's saying, how can I get to them? Let me turn to my church and ask them to agree with me in prayer. And then when the church doesn't agree, we wonder why our lives are not where they should be. We wonder why. Listen, I believe the church is is God's answer to a nation, to a world that's falling apart at the seams. I believe we can bring love and truth and hope. And it might cost us something. But if it's not costing us persecution yet, and I say yet, this is why all the more we must enter into a place of prayer. I promise you, if... Ezekiel had somebody he could share his burden worth with he probably would have but prayer is oftentimes committed by those who separate themselves unto the Lord that's why I get excited when we have a body that values these things and said I want to come no matter what responsibility I have, no matter what status I have or title I have or or what people know me for, what matters is, am I seeking the Lord while he may be found? Am I pursuing God He said, then not so, sovereign Lord. I have never defiled myself. From my youth, even till now, I have never eaten anything found dead or torn by wild animals. No impure meat has ever entered my mouth. Very well then, God said, I will let you bake your bread over cow dung instead of human excrement. You think, oh God, you're just so hard. Friend, you are not in a place of God to judge God and you need to be careful about well Lord why don't you why did you do that I don't think it's wrong to ask God questions but I think this is where we need to go God what about my heart where am I with you where am I in intimacy with God are you a church goer? are you someone that knows about Jesus or do you wake up in the morning with Jesus on your lips Does Do you dream about him? Have you noticed that your dreams have been filtered by the presence and the word of God to where you don't have those pornographic dreams anymore? I'm telling you, you focus on the word of God. He'll change the way you think, my friend. You focus on the presence of God and you won't want, want to be around all the garbage of the world anymore. It won't satisfy you anymore. I'm telling you, there's such a posture of prayer that we can position ourselves in that the Spirit of God will take up residence on the inside of you and change everything around you. Let me share this last scripture. We got 10 hours, so I'm in good hands tonight. Ezekiel 24, starting in verse 15 Then the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, listen to this. You think your life has been hard, my friend? (laughs) Wait until you have to bear the burden of the Lord. The word of God came to me, Son of man, with one blow, I am about to take away the delight of your eyes. Yet do not lament or weep or shed your tears, groan quietly, do not mourn for the dead, keep your turban fastened and your sandals on your feet, do not cover your mustache and beard or eat the customary food of mourners. You know what the delight of Ezekiel's eyes was? It was his wife. even if i take your wife away from you who is the delight of your eye do not mourn Whew. see a lot of people are going to uh, can can hear something like this and get an attitude with god but if you're a man or a woman of prayer you're going to understand where god's coming from with this and it's a hard thing to learn So I spoke to the people in the morning. In the evening, my wife died. The next morning I did as I had been commanded. Then the people asked me, won't you tell us what these things have to do with us? Why are you acting like this? So I said to them, the word of the Lord came to me say to the people of Israel this is what the sovereign Lord sends I'm telling you I can feel the word of the Lord on the inside of me and I pray that you would feel the word of the Lord on the inside of you in such prophetic power and unction that wants to come out from you that you may not even know how to articulate it at times but it is a burden that builds up on the inside of you because when you sit at his feet and you weep before the Lord with what he cares about and you look at the nation and you say god you got to move in the philippines i'm telling you there is a groaning that will come out there are cries that will be lifted up cries that will cause the rocks to say where is that sound coming from we got to stop before we out praise but yet i hear the sound of great intercession and it sounds like the cries of jesus in gethsemane Lord may you hear from us may you hear from us such a cry for revival that we put ourselves aside and we seek you while you may be found the object of your affection, the delight of your eyes, the sons and daughters you left behind will fall by the sword and you will do as I have done. You will not cover your mustache or your beard or eat the customary food of mourners. He's Ezekiel speaking to Israel. You will keep your turbans on your heads and your sandals on your feet. You will not mourn or weep but will waste away because of your sins and groan among yourselves. Ezekiel will be a sign to you and you will do just as he did and when this happens you will know that I am the sovereign Lord friend we don't see the whole picture we see our beginning and our end and that might be 70 years but the fact of the matter is God sees eternity and he wants to do whatever it takes to bring people to a place of repentance And if that means you become a little bit uncomfortable by giving yourself into being a man or a woman of prayer, then I promise you, it'll be worth it. And you, son of man, on the day I take away their stronghold, their joy and their glory, the delight of their eyes, Israel's heart's desire, and their sons and daughters as well. On that day, a fugitive will come to tell you the news. At that time, your mouth will be open. You will speak with him and will no longer be silent. So you will be assigned to them and they will know that I am the Lord. Listen, when you are bound up in a place of prayer and intercession with the Lord, and he shares with you his cries, his groanings, and what Jesus prays 24-7 as he sits at the right hand of the Father, living to make intercession for you and I. When you will cry out to God and carry that burden, revival is not that far behind. Before God will release the sound of revival, he will release the cry of heaven in you. There will be something that will be deposited in you and me. And I believe that's why we're here. It's what we're asking for that will change your life forever. Look, God took Ezekiel's wife from him, the delight of his eyes has a sign to Israel that he was taking the delight from the eyes of the Jews, the temple. He was going to allow the temple to be destroyed because the temple just became religious duty, religious system. Now he's saying, would you rely on me? Not the place, not the location where you worship. Would you allow me to be your focus and your soul worship? Would you allow me to be your one desire? Would you allow me to work miracles on your behalf and do things in and through your life that you cannot do by your own might, power, and strength? Listen, I believe revival comes as we allow God to remove whatever causes our flesh to delight in without giving glory to God. If there's anything that you and I can delight in, That does not give glory to God, it should be taken out of our life. And I am not saying you gotta go do something weird. I am saying that you need to allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit to bring you into that secret place with God, to bring us as a community into that place of prayer, to bring us into that sense of responsibility. You know when the ark. When David was bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. And then who was it? Uzzah reached out and touched it. Well he was not one of the uh, temple priests. The Levites. That was supposed to be reaching out and touch it at all. There were specific men that were called and chosen to do that. It would have been better to let the ark fall. Than to reach out and touch it irreverently. Listen. Listen. We don't have to fix anything for God. We just need to touch only what he's asking us to touch. And then what happened is as he reached out he died. And so the ark ends up in the house of Obed-Edom and his family because David was afraid to bring it anywhere else. So imagine the Ark of the Covenant in your house where you get up to in the middle of the night to go get you a drink of water and there's the Ark with the cherubim on it. <laughs> you know that only the high priest is supposed to go into the most holy place once a year and see that thing. You aren't supposed to see it. But it's in your house. You got your feet up with your remote control thinking, I don't know if I should watch that with this ark sitting there. (laughs) Think about it. What are you talking about, Eric? I'm talking about when the ark of God, the presence of God comes to your home, comes to your life, and you feel responsible for it, you could either reach out and try and fix it, or you can just let it be where it is and build your life around it. Obed-Edom's family was greatly blessed. Supernaturally blessed because their house became a house of prayer. Man, thank you, Lord. All God's asking from us tonight is to take delight in him. You know, I know we spent a couple of hours already worshiping the Lord, praising the Lord, honoring, adoring the Lord. But listen, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to sift our hearts tonight. To drain us of anything that hinders us from His presence. And I want to ask you to be honest with the Lord even if you've repented of the same thing, whatever the Holy Spirit puts His finger on, just be obedient. Just allow Him to come a little bit closer. Look, He is as close as He's ever going to get. But we allow Him to come even closer as we renew our minds. And we recognize that prayer is not just something we do it's who we are we are house of prayer the the time we were focusing on establishing a house of prayer here the guys from Singapore and Manila and different places in Luzon Cebu they all came here you remember that it was like I guess like three years ago right four years ago maybe Josh and all those guys. When they came, one of our guys, Romrick, went to this old abandoned house over here, and he was just walking around praying. And under the floorboard, he saw something shining. So he grabbed the bag. He he pulled the floorboard up, the wood, and he grabbed this little treasure. And it was a bag of old Filipino coins like really old coins like over a hundred years old or at least a hundred years old I should say and yeah and then there were a couple of these it's a, it's a bank a little put your coins in right but who knows what that is right there by an Ihan right And for those of you who may not know what that is, that is a Philippi, it's very cultural here that when somebody wanted to move their house, the men in the community would literally pick up the house and move it to wherever you needed to move to. And while we're establishing this house of prayer, Romrick finds this thing. And I'm looking at it going, this is a prophetic picture of what God wants our house of prayer to look like. We're to be a movable house of prayer. Not just a stationary one. Yeah, we have times like tonight, but that's why we have these 12 other prayer groups that are going to start next Friday in different homes. And you know what? Prayer and evangelism work really good together. A lot of churches focus on one or the other right they focus so much on prayer which maybe that's what god's called them to but i look at the totality of scripture and i see that we should be making disciples but a lot of people could get so busy with evangelism and making disciples and not be in a place of prayer that the quality of our disciples goes way down because we don't teach them how to walk with the lord we teach them how to rely on us and to go through step one repent give your life to jesus step two come to church step three get water baptized. step four go to you know sunday school step whatever we we can go on and on and on but the point is i believe god is a god of structure but he's also a god of presence And the purpose of structure is to bring us closer to the presence where God just does whatever he wants to do. I believe this all night prayer meeting then the last Friday in October and then the last Friday in November and then the other Fridays are going to be meeting in different prayer houses, houses of prayer is going to take us into a a place of positioning ourselves for revival. For whether it be personal revival or whether it be corporate. Look, I, I come to realize I can't make corporate revival happen. But I can allow personal revival to take place. I can't make revival happen in your life. But I can teach on principles that if we apply those things and value these things, then God will answer. He he promises to answer. It's his desire. If my people, right? If, but. There's always a condition. So when you pray, when you fast, when you seek me, when you walk in obedience, when you release forgiveness, when you care for the widow, the orphan, the poor, the broken... When you do these things, look, there is a cost to it, my friends. And I know you guys know these things, but I believe this is what the Lord's speaking to us tonight. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.